Hey everyone, Steve here. You know, often our guests will send us a couple copies of their books and sometimes they're signed. We wanted to get those books in your hands, so just wanted to let you know that we've created a page at our website for you all to win a weekly book giveaway. Go to eternalleadership.com slash book and you can register there. That's eternalleadership.com slash book. We'll have that link in the summary of this MP3 as well, but be sure to go back once in a while and see what book we're giving away that week. It's eternalleadership.com slash book. Thanks. What he's done is created you beautifully. You are his masterpiece. And you have an enormous value, not only to him, but to the world. And he, and you are, and that's why that we're saying in this first third, you've got to understand who you are and how you're gifted to see where you fit. And when you find your place of fitting, you naturally come alive. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and that was today's guest, author, speaker, and ministry leader, Don Ankenbrandt. Now, if you've ever struggled with questions like, why am I here? What am I created for? Am I in the right career? What are my spiritual gifts? What does God really want me to do with my life? How do I find guidance for those questions? This is is the interview you do not want to skip. And it's one that you're gonna wanna share as Don co-wrote a book called The 210 Project, Discover Your Place in God's Story. I finally got my copy yesterday and I was up until around midnight last night reading it. My co-host John Ramsted and I recently interviewed Don and we bumped it up in our schedule as both John and I thought this message fits so well with all three of our main focuses this year, which we described in our last episode, clarity, identity, and leadership. Here's how John and I got that conversation started. All right, Steve, today on Eternal Leadership, we have a great friend, Don Ankenbrandt's going to be on the show. Don, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Love to be here. Now, I first met Don at the Pinnacle Forum National Conference about a year ago. And Don had gone through halftime, and I'll let you share part of your journey. I know you're also very involved with Pinnacle Forum, working with groups of leaders, but out of your work is come a book called The 210 Project, and it's all about discovering your place in God's story. There's been so much that we've, that we've said and brought on in the teaching around both identity finding our purpose and our calling, and then living that out in our life in a powerful way. And Don, I can't think of a better person to just come on and really pull a lot of those episodes that we've had and what's on our heart to share together. So thank you for, for being here and being a part of this. Oh, I love it. Thank you. So Don, as we get started, I'd love for you to share for, for people that don't know you as well as I do, just a little bit about your background, your story, your journey, and then we can um, get into some of the things that are in this book. Absolutely. Um, so my, I would put my life in three parts. Um, after college, I was in I was on staff with Young Life for a few years. That's how I met Christ, just Young Life. Those are familiar with it. And uh, and then I went into business, and I was in business for about eleven years, and um, that that put me into my kind of early thirties. And I remember uh, it was around nineteen ninety six or so, ninety five. I read the book Halftime. Um, which had, had recently come out, and uh, I'm, I'm a voracious reader. I love to read what's new, and um, I picked this book up, and it really had an impact on my thinking. I may not have felt like my life was half over, right? Um, and I think a lot of half-timers are reaching this space maybe in their mid-40s to 50s, but I was feeling that uh, in my 30s. So I, um, 
uh, subsequently left the business world and I went back on staff with Young Life, and I did that for about 13 years. And in the middle of that, um, I got to know Bob Buford pretty well. And then Bob hired my boss from Young Life, a guy named Tom Wilson. And Tom headed up the leadership network and started the organization halftime. Um, and so when I felt like it was a different season for me, I kind of feel like God puts us on assignments. I think that's part of the, at least the theme for my life. There's been different assignments he's had. And uh, I, I found myself at this kind of transition after those years of Young Life and thinking I'm getting a little older now in my late 40s. Um, and uh, I had this conversation with Bob Buford and um, Tom Wilson, and we brought Lloyd Reeb down to speak to a group of guys I put together down in Florida, and it was transformational. I, I, I really, these men were all feeling the space of I'm frustrated, I'm bored. Uh, is, is this all there is for me? I've become successful. And so I kind of ventured into this conversation with Bob and, um, and Halftime about what would it look like if I was part of their team because they were trying to figure out Really, we were trying to figure it out. I mean, you know, Bob had written the book, but now it's like, how do you actually make a movement out of this? Um, certainly millions of people have read the book, but there really is a need to coach. So that's how I met Jeff Spadafora and Lloyd Reed became part of that team for a number of years. And we just tried to figure out how do we help men navigate the space of confusion, um, help them get clarity on their identity. John, you mentioned that, you know, prior to our, our conversation here. And I think identity is a big issue. And, um, and so it was about eight years ago I started Alliance with the purpose of partnering with Halftime, but helping people in my community uh, figure this out. Um, I, mean, I live in the Bible Belt. There's a lot of believers, but there are a lot of believers on the sidelines, and they're frustrated with just sitting in church. And so that's our movement. We're trying to help. It's kind of like eHarmony, right? Um, <laughs> eHarmony, you figure out who you are, right, in a way, and then you get connected to someone that's a match. Well, we do that with ministry. We help people discover who they are, what are their gifts, their calling, and then we connect them to a mission that fits them. Really, depend. It doesn't matter where it is. Um, so, that's kind of the quick version of that story. Now I got where I'm at. Well, yeah. that conversation you had in that group with Lloyd when Lloyd Reeb was there, you said it was transformational. Mm -hmm. What was transformational about that for you? Well, um, I was watching, as I had in my 30s, I'm watching a lot of men in their 40s really wrestling with this whole issue of um, frustration about, is this all there is to life? I've accumulated what I thought. I've reached a lot of goals that I thought I, I may have never reached, and now I'm unfulfilled. And uh, William James is a great quote. says, um, all people are going to discover one of two things. What your faith will become is either going to become a boring habit or it'll become an acute fever. And most of the men that I was meeting with or having conversations with when I was starting Young Life Areas was that they're longing for something more than just sitting in church. They've been doing it their whole lives. And I really don't think you find your life till you give your life away. At least that's what Jesus said. And, uh, and so this whole aspect of service, it's really interesting to me how confusing it is for people. And during that event with Lloyd, I watched how masterful he was at communicating the, the felt need that everyone seems to have, this innate, deep sense that God has more for me. But how do I figure that out? I'm a deacon. I'm an elder. I park cars or I can teach Sunday school. That's all the church offers me. Is there not more than that? Is this the great adventure of following Jesus? Is it just about my quiet times and how good I feel? Or is there more for me? And there's a lot of confusion around that. And is that the confusion? People are looking at kind of what 
what's being offered to them in this, these traditional roles, but they just feel this need for more in there. It's really hard sometimes to kind of link, uh, link the dots. Oh, I think so. I, I, I think that, um, and I, I, I love the church, so don't hear this wrong, but we, the church, okay. The organized side of the church, um, we're, I don't think we're that good at really helping people answer the question, well, why are you here and how can I help you? It's typically we're, in, we're, in, we're inverting that and we're going, okay, I need a fourth grade Sunday school teacher. Steve, are you available? And you're like, well, sure, I'd want to serve. And, and I did that. I actually taught fourth grade Sunday school and it was awful. I mean, I, it, it, was, it was painful. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the reality is that God has equipped and gifted us all for unique things. And ministry, I think a lot of it is how people view ministry. There's a lot of confusion around what ministry really is. And, um, and so all they see is what the church offers typically, and maybe about some ministries they might know about in their community. They may try to volunteer for one of them, and it didn't really work well. So there, there is, there's a lot of trip-ups, a lot of confusion. And I think most of it's just helping people think through this process well is really kind of what we're trying to do. Well, you know, we started out talking before we started taping, uh, Don, just about this whole concept of identity. And the p- people that I know and just going through this process myself, you know, trans, you know, it, it says we should transform our heart to the heart of Christ and find that identity in God. Because so many of, you know, fear of failure, fear of success, relationship problems are mm-hmm. rooted in a lot of people getting being given that identity from the world and the things that are important outside and around us. And making that transition or, or just kind of that, that really that that mature, you know, just maturing in that area. Um, excellent. Let me just start over at, you know, as we mature in that area and we grow in that area, all, a lot of these confusion and obstacles and roadblocks actually just kind of fade away. Oh, sure. Into the noise. So, and you start out your book, the whole first third of the book is about identity. I'd love to just right. spend some time on that with you mm-hmm. and just have you share how you work with business leaders just in that area, and then what that what that can lead to next. Yeah, so we wrote the book in three parts. Um, so the first part is this this idea of identity, that if you don't understand who you are, God's a God of uniqueness, right? So um, DNA is unique. Um, your fingerprint is unique. The iris of your eye. You're, you're, there's no one that's ever in the history of this world been you. Um, and so God is unique in his creation and he gave us unique gifts. He's given you a unique story. He's given you passions that fit you uh, and they all kind of merge together. And so all we're asking people to do in the 210 project is why don't you take a season to think this through? And so let's first dig into your identity. God gave you gifts according to Romans chapter 12, um, according to, uh, first Corinthians chapter 12 and Ephesians four. He, they list these gifts out. Why did he do that? And so he, God gave us a unique identity. But he also gave you the community you're in. He gave you the experiences you've had. He's put you in the family you're in. That's not by choice. That was his choosing. Even the career you're in right now, God's sovereignly over all this. So all of that matters. It all ties up into who you are. And then your experiences through your life really, um, I think, define a lot of our identity. Right. And so uh, what we've got to do, and uh, Steve, I'll kind of revert over to Del Tackett and, the, and the, the Truth Project, is this whole idea of biblical worldview. Our, if our worldview is skewed, our identity is skewed. 
And we've got to understand how God has orchestrated life. And so what he's done is he's given us unique DNA. What is that? He's given you passions. Um, he's given you a certain kind of gifts. And they're all meant for this one reason, to advance the kingdom of God. That's what they're there for. They're there to serve others, not ourselves. Um, and I think that people really begin to find a life when they figure out what they're called to do. And, and I think there's two sides to calling. I don't want to get too deep into this, but the one side to calling is the works that God has for us every day. You should be using your gifts in the workplace with your family, in the natural relationships you have, in every, every aspect of your life. But then there are certain assignments and callings that God really uniquely chooses you for. But he's been equipping you to do that, according to Ephesians 2.10. You know, everyone leans into Ephesians 2, eight and 9 and can quote it by heart, right? For by grace you've been saved through faith, not that of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not on the basis of works that any man should boast, right? We all know that. But Ephesians 2.10 is the third part of that. For you are his workmanship, and in the Greek that means poem, poema. You are his poem, um, created for good works in Christ Jesus, which God did pre prepared beforehand. So up to that, what did we do in those three verses? Nothing. God did all of it, every bit of it. So we can't hold it or boast about it. All we're called to do then is walk in it. It's the last part of Ephesians 2.10. What I love about that verse, Ephesians 2.10, is the way it is translated, the way that word, poema, is translated in, in other versions. Workmanship, handiwork, creation, or my favorite in the New Living Translation, masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think if you can understand that you are as... God's masterpiece. You're, you're this. You're, I think we see ourselves as a rock, and He's got a chisel, so He's kind of hammering on us to shape us. No, 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 no. That's not that's not biblical. What He's done is created you beautifully. You are His masterpiece, and you have an enormous value not only to Him but to the world. And He and you are, and that's why that we're saying in this first third, you've got to understand who you are and how you're gifted to see where you fit. And when you find your place of fitting, you naturally come alive. And that's, that's where so many people find this boredom in the Christian faith is, is they're just not alive because they've not found their place to serve. And servanthood makes you come alive. That's what Jesus said, Steve. When I, when, I, when I was looking at the Strong's Concordance for that word, two things that it said were a product or sometimes literally or figuratively meaning fabric. And when you when you look at fabric, fabric is lots of strands that are all woven together. And, and, and in much that same way, so many aspects of our lives, God is weaving them together. This interaction with this person and this relationship and this event happening to me, all of them just interwoven and making us who we are. Right. You know, Jesus was a storyteller, right? I mean, he, he tried to convey truth through parables. So Lloyd, Lloyd Reeb, and I, you know, I've, I've, being a mentor to me, I've learned a lot from him. And, you know, he, he uses the phrase, you know, that you've got to interpret the parable of your own life. God is, even, even in horrible things, God has orchestrated and, and will use everything. So Bob Buford would say, you should always look back before you look forward. You've got to, you've got to understand who you are. And it brings, you know, John, you mentioned it brings a lot of clarity to life. Um, so here's my example of that. I'm 33, and I've had a variety of different jobs at this point. 
and I've been successful. I mean, I, I mean, I did well, and I was in medical sales for a variety of years. And I was talking to my wife about leaving this company I was with, and she gets, she looks at me with a stare, and she goes, well, "I don't understand something about you." Okay, now I've been married to you now for how many years? <laughs> Why can't you keep a job for more than like three or four years? I don't understand because her father had been with Bethlehem Steel. My dad was an IBM guy for forty years. I'm like, I don't know. I get bored. <laughs> So I went and got some counseling. Okay, now I've been a believer for 17 years at this point, probably, and I'd never really taken a spiritual gifts test. I never really thought a lot about it. I mean, I, I figured I had to get the teaching and a few things, but I never really evaluated my spiritual gifts. So I went to a great counselor, and in this, he says, "Well, gosh, your your number one spiritual gift off the charts is apostleship." And I said, "What's what's that? <laughs> what's an apostle do?" <laughs> now, this is who I am, right? He says, well, see, God puts you on assignments. You'll, you'll never stay with a career. He's, he's wired you differently. Paul was an apostle. He started the church in, let's say, Ephesus. Then he moved to, you know, then he moved to, uh, you know, Thessalonica. Then he started that. He stayed there a few years. Then he went over to Colossae. And he moved around. He did his missionary journeys. But he, he was never meant to stay in one place. And that's how you're wired. That's how God made you. And I so here I walk into this counselor's conversation feeling like a failure because I didn't even understand who I was and why I did certain things the way I did them. And I came out understanding this God-given nature that I have that I never knew existed in me. So it's really redirected me. And so the, 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 what I've discovered and what I've found through my own journey is I'm meant to start things. And that's where I get my energy. That's where what makes me come alive. And so we've started, gosh, in the last eight years here, almost, I think, 27 new ministries because of the 210 Project. Helping others people discover their calling starts other things. So I'm living this. I'm, I'm in the flow of what God has for me, but it took years to figure that out. And so hopefully we're going to shorten that path for people that I painfully couldn't figure out myself, you know? So what does that lead to? Once you have this awareness of identity and you're really working in that area, I remember Jeff Spadafora when I was going through halftime, he asked me, it's not just learning about how you're wired, but how God wired you. Mm-hmm. And being able to shift that pers- shift that perspective from actually looking at my myself from God's eyes, right? I'm not a sinner saved by grace, which you hear a lot, but I'm actually, if you look in the New Testament, God refers to his people as beloved, as saints, as you know, sons of God. And it, it's a totally different paradigm. It's so, there's so much potential there that lays dormant within a lot of us that can be applied into these works that he's planned beforehand. So as people are going through this project, you know, w- w- what's the next step that you lead them through? Yeah. And so once what you do, the, the book comes with a code. Okay. So um, you can either download it, but it, it comes with a, a code in the front, in the front of the book. So that's, you have a unique um, grouping of, of tests that help you get clarity, right? So there you go. Um, and so you go online and you, you take a spiritual gifts profile, a personality profile that's biblically based. Um, we lead you to some passion exercises. And it's just a sequential thought process that, that really Bob Buford created, okay, but gave me the permission to utilize, right? So it's just the sequential order of asking the right questions and learning the right things about yourself. We have a timeline in there so you can think through your own story. And then we lead you to some time of solitude where now that you've kind of really been thinking about who you are and, and hopefully this shift, John, that you mentioned that takes place in people is they see their value in Christ. 
they see that they're this wonderful work th- that even their sin does not disqualify them from from uh, ministry. It actually qualifies them. <laughs> and there's a lot of uh, bad thinking that's out there in the minds of people, and it's just a lack of understanding. So we're trying to force them to think out loud their confusion with people, as Bob would say, over time with others. And and so the middle of the book, we all we did was we broke down what are these works. So these works are found in four different categories of our lives. They're found in our family. They're found in the workplace. A lot of businessmen are like, how do I bring my my, my faith to work practically without being put in prison, right? Um, and uh, so you've got your workplace. You've got your community that, um, that you're, you, know, you live in, right? And then there are other assignments, your ministry that God might have for you. I'm getting ready to go to Rwanda with some guys that God's called to build businesses there. We're going to be there for two weeks. We built some businesses over the last few years as part of the revitalization of that country. These men have been assigned there. God gave them the resources and the heart to do these things. Um, you, you know, it doesn't matter where you end up. God might have you assigned to a country. He might have you assigned to a, a community in your, a part of your state, the inner city. Uh, it, th- there is so much opportunity for ministry. People just don't know it's out there. And if they think about it, they'll figure it out. But that, you know, so I'm not sure if I'm addressing your question about the center part of the book. We want people to think through, how do I practically use my gifts in my everyday life? That's what that middle part of the book is about. Well, um, you know, what? I think there's confusion. I don't know if that's the right word, but, you know, people we talk to and people I work with is how to bring some of those works, that faith, that identity uh, as I'm developing it, j- right into where I work every day, Monday through Friday. Sure. That seems to be, uh, for a lot of people, they don't know how to do that. How do I influence the culture? How do I work with my employees? How do I make decisions that would be you know, reflective of that in a better way? And I'd love for you to share some uh, some stories and some teachings yeah. that you've done in that area. Yeah, and so I'll, I'll bring up a guy named Jim Warren, okay? So, um I was Jim Warren had a financial advising business, um, and uh, he I actually trained their their uh, the folks that work with high net worth people on halftime. So I came in and did a ser- I did this series with him, and Jim is asking the same question. He's like, "Okay, so I've got 110 employees, and we started, and part of this is just thinking, just asking God to reveal Himself. God's not trying to hide His will from us. He's not trying to hide His works from us." He's actually trying to call us in and lean into him. And so part of what I say when I coach someone is I think God puts us in a fog for, on purpose. And if you feel frustrated or confused about that, what you do in the fog is you're not on your phone and you're not twicking with the radio. You're actually leaning into the windshield and you're, you're making sure mm-hmm. that you're focused, right? Mm. So this fog is God's calling to, to slow down and listen because he is creative. God can do so much. So this Jim Warren story is amazing because – and it was simple. Um, he was he was frustrated, and we had had this conversation about a lot of us find our mission out of where we're frustrated. What makes you angry, right? Where, what would you like to change in the world? And he did not like what um, United Way was doing in Birmingham with some of the money that he was being forced to raise through his employees. You know, it's 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 funding Planned Parenthood. I don't like that. You know. He goes, I wish I could payroll deduct something that meant something. I'm like, well, what would mean something to you if you could do that? He said, well, orphans. I, I love orphans. I'm, I've got several compassion kids from Rwanda. I'm like, well, why don't you think about that? And so he goes off 
and he comes back the and he calls me a few days later. He's like, "All right, so I put all this together. I got to tell you what I want to do." And so his idea was this: he goes, "I'm going to offer my employees the opportunity to adopt a child through Compassion International. I'm going to host a lunch. That's going to give me the the opportunity to share my passion is orphans, and um, and I'd like them to consider adopting a kid. So we've got like 24 you know kids from Rwanda, the same village he was from." We were able to scrounge him up through compassion, and he had 88 employees want to adopt a child. Hmm. 88. So it was just so exciting. And so then he got the idea, because he's, he's well-to-do. He said, you know, I want to expose people. I want to, And I said, you know, you can go see your children. Have you ever met your compassion children? He's like, no. I said, compassion would love to set that up. It's easy. They're the most organized, well-run organization. So we get a hold of some folks at Compassion, and I'm trying to remember Steve's last name, but it's a guy named Steve. And, uh, and he finds all the rest of the orphans. All of the kids are adopted out of the same community from this business. So every year, he takes three or four of his employees with him to Rwanda, believers and non-believers. He tries to mix the two, and that has led several people to Christ. Um, Compassion <laughs> did a video on their business, and that actually was the start of the business aspect of compassion through through Jim's journey of trying to figure this out, they realized there are a lot of companies that would love to adopt a lot of kids, payroll deduct it. So Jim's now on the board of Compassion International, and there's an entire <laughs> division of Compassion International that has been created through this event um, around the idea of a business adopting kids. So if you go to their business, you walk into Warren Abert's office in Birmingham, there's a video playing of their kids that they filmed while they were in Rwanda, and now they've had over 100 of their clients adopt kids. Because it's playing, they're sitting in the waiting room, they're looking at this going, well, that's interesting. Uh, there's pictures of kids all over the walls, and the DNA of this business is we care for orphans. And it's attracting more clients, and it's just this wonderful feeling and it's 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 an incredible opportunity to share the gospel, but it's simple. And it Very started simple. with and it started with one person acknowledging mm -hmm. that God's creative, and I have some passions here. And let me, what's one step that I can take just in that direction? Yeah. Besides having a Bible study at work, what can I really do? Mm -hmm. And so, but the exploration that we take you through, okay, in the two ten project is is thinking things through this way. So you have passions. Why don't you just do what you love and take someone with you? So here's an example. I love to snow ski. Okay. Um, it's my passion. I grew up in upstate New York. My dad moved us to Alabama, and it was all over, right? And so I lost my I'm, I've lost my, the thing I love the most. As angry as we were at him, you know. Um, and so I've been doing a ski trip now for 12 years, um, and we actually use Young Life's property, Crooked Creek, out in Fraser. We ski at Winter Park, and I'm, you know, being in ministry, most people can't afford to ski. So I created this trip for myself. So I bring some businessmen, you know, they all fly in their jets and we all, you know, we bring a bunch of guys from Birmingham, 40 men all together. And, uh, but we also bring people that are in full-time ministry as a gift to them. So the business guys kick in a little cash. Um, we fly these guys out. We pay for everything. We bring about five to eight a year and we thank these people that are in ministry and just say, you know, this is for you, for serving faithfully. We know you could never afford to go skiing like this. We stay at a five-star five, five star place right there at Young Life's property. And then at night, those guys get to share about their ministries. 
And I think it's probably connected, it's connected our business medicine ministries where we probably had more than $20 million given to these organizations. We've had 35 ministries come in the last um, 12 years. That's a simple thing to do. That's taking what I love, dragging people with me, and creating ministry out of it somehow. It's so much more simple than people realize. So, so much of this thought process, guys, is to get out of the box. God is way more creative than you just teaching Sunday school or parking cars. Not that they're not good and not needed, but my Lord, there's so much more out there. Um, gosh, we've had people create in Birmingham. We had a guy that uh, his grandson, special needs, didn't ever care about anyone that were special needs until he had a grandchild that was, realized that he needed a wheelchair ramp built at his home, does this for his special needs grandson, of course, falls in love with this kid, realizes, you know, I bet there are other families that need these. So he starts sniffing around and finds a group of guys. They open up this new ministry, and they've, they've built probably close to 300 wheelchair ramps for families in Birmingham um, that have a need of a special needs child. They're on the search for them. They started an organization called Ambux. They brought it here to Birmingham, which is creating special trikes for kids. And they then have a group, an army of guys that are willing to come, and, and uh, everybody's fighting over who gets to build the wheelchair ramps, right? So they get to go, and then they connect a church in the community to the family, and the church funds the wheelchair ramp, and the church then is there to help build it, and the church meets the family and find out what else they need. So here's a guy that out of his own brokenness and sadness that he had a child you know, that was born with the special needs at first, God gave him a vision for something much greater than himself, and it's become so life-giving, and he's 84 years old. So there's just, That's you fantastic. Could just so, there's just so much more you can do if you just listen to the Holy Spirit, but we're just too busy. And that's why we force guys just take this season and think this about, think this out. It's, it's, God is not hiding. You know, so one of the keys I'm hearing from you, Don, is really kind of step back, take some time, really get some awareness around those passions, link something, link what you're doing in your life to those passions. What are some of the other keys there? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think finding, looking for others that are looking for you, um, you know, finding others to, to join, to join you. Team up, partner. Um, think you're confusing out loud with others. I think is really good. It's, that's why we like to do this in a, like a pinnacle forum study. You get five or six, eight guys in there doing this together. They're really thinking for each other, you know, um, and they're throwing ideas out. It's always fun to do that in a forum. Um, you know, I, I did this with a group of CEOs from Cincinnati uh, at Hilton Head, and uh, we we played golf. And at night we'd talk about this, and in the morning we talk about it, and. You know, there's just so many creative ways you can help people think this out. But but uh, I think groups are really good for that. Um, Does it work well in groups like in a church setting? Oh, yeah. With, with a men's group, Absolutely. women's group? Exactly. Yeah. Men's, it's a, ideal in men's groups. We have entire churches going through it now um, that are – in fact, Jeff Spadaforis, uh, a friend of mine, Nick Lilo, he connected me to him in, in Denver, and he had 840 of his members go through it together. And he taught a, a series on it at his church. He did a 12-week series on it. And we've got a 12-week study with it. We also have a, a six-week study with it um, that you can download off the Internet. It comes right with the – it's free. Um, but I'm not sure if I answered your question fully, John, about what else – you know, it, so much of this, the, the, God just I, takes over. I mean, he really does. If you're just listening and open. Well, you know, I guess maybe the root of the question, Don, is, you know, is, is you're thinking about this process and people love hearing these amazing stories and they're trying to paint themselves into that picture. 
And what are maybe some of the roadblocks or obstacles as as you've worked with leaders that want to move in this direction that is an obstacle for them seeing themselves in a picture like that? Well, I th- yeah, I, there's a couple things. First of all, God doesn't have just one thing for you. And I think a lot of halftime guys in particular are looking for this one thing. So they're like, you know, I really can't get to my one thing for about five years till I sell my company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, and I do believe there's there's a group of folks that really need a lot more time to process this. That's why halftime has a year-long coaching process, um, which I highly endorse. I mean, I really do. Um, but as far as, you know, the average person just thinking this through, um, I think a lot of the roadblocks are they feel disqualified because of their sin. Uh, you know, hey, I've got an issue with pornography. I just don't think God could use me. Or I've, you know, I've, I've got this hidden sin or I'm struggling with alcohol abuse or whatever it is, you know. And so a lot of people just feel like, you know, God doesn't use someone like me. Well, you know, time out wrong. He, he actually, you're the, you are what he uses. Go read the New Testament. Why don't you pick up the word and read it? He chose everyone he chose. They were the, they were the worst of the worst. They were the murderers. They were the prostitutes. They were the tax collectors. They, those were the ones he called. Why are you any different? He didn't call the saints. <laughs> and so it's funny how we forget that. Um, and I think the other thing too, John, is, is we, we, have people dig into that issue of what is your greatest mistake? That may be the platform for your minister. What, what Satan would want to use to destroy your life, God wants to take it and redeem it. He wants to turn it around, and he wants to create ministry from it. So one, it heals you, right? And, and that's how he uses you. It's, it's, it's right out of the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 or maybe 2 Corinthians 1, you know, that that we, we go through things that and, and like-minded other people have gone through that we can minister to them, right? And so um, I think people just need to get over some of these roadblocks in their mind, and we try to address that in the book and say, your, your sin doesn't disqualify you, it qualifies you. Your, your greatest um, ministry can come from your greatest mistake. Most people discover that their brokenness in ministry is, has been founded from the things they've gone, done wrong. I, I teach a 210 class um, every Monday morning at a place called the Love Lady Center, which is a drug and alcohol rehab and, you know, for women, 440 women all living in this old hospital. And it's amazing to me to watch them come alive when they realize I'm valuable. I, I'm, I'm a big mistake. We talking about I've lost my children to my addiction. I, you know, I was a prostitute. I, and what, what, they're, what they're coming to understand is, wait a minute, God has a purpose for you, too. And it transforms the way they think, but it just takes some time, you know? And this is a process. It's not instantaneous. And not every work God has for you, you're going to immediately figure out. But it's a journey. So that's why we say the first thing you have to do is understand yourself, because then your radar is going to be up. And you're going to know. And there are immediate things you can do. So one of my spiritual gifts is encouragement, I've discovered. So how do I do that intentionally? I Every morning, believe it or not, I get my iPhone out. And I play, I play phone roulette on it. When I have a quiet time in the morning, I literally, I do this every day now. I'll hit it and I'll roll it around and it'll just land and I'll look down and I'll go, oh, I'm going to call John today. And I pray for him then. And I send him a text and I try to call you and go, hey, brother, you know what? The Lord laid you on my heart today. I honestly was truly praying for you this morning. What's up? Love to connect. Now, that's a simple ministry. That didn't move into Africa. You know, it's not quitting my job and going to seminary. <laughs> That's exercising my gift. 
but it, it but it does encourage the body of Christ, and it's won a lot of friends to me. And and it's really amazing how sometimes that really fits. There, there, someone really needed that call. So this is all the questions we try to get people to think through. How can you intentionally use these gifts? Now that you understand who you are, put a, put a game plan together. So the first step is really this awareness: what my gifts are, what my strengths are. Then and then taking that. And coupling that with what are the passions I have in my life? Where, what gives me the energy? Where are p- places that I just feel feel fulfilled? I just feel the juice flowing, and and then I want to just sit down and and figure out ways to put those together. Exactly, and it could be starting small, like texting a friend, just saying, "Hey, but hey, brother, how you doing?" Or it could lead to starting a whole ministry that's serving a whole village in Rwanda. But it doesn't mean I need to wait for three years until I sell my company so I have more time. Because, you know, I hear from people, Don, when I do something, I want to be all in, so I'm not going to do that now. And I've always seen that as an excuse. Maybe you've heard that. I'd love to – when somebody shares that with you, what do you say to them? Well, I I go back to the – there's multiple things you have. It's not just one. It's it's not the – it's not not the one thing, right? What was that movie, the – the cowboy it's not the one thing the well, with billy crystal God, and jack Palance. yeah billy crystal yeah jack, yeah jack Palance, yeah um it's multiple things so you know you have the gift of teaching what can you do with that so you've got a church right can you get in there and do that or is there a somewhere else can you do it at work do you want to start a group i just i had to throw my bible study out tuesdays i got a group of guys and they're all in ministry most of them and i have someone really good come and teach them to encourage them because, you know, they're usually the ones doing the ministry stuff. So, you know, we have the study for for guys in ministry here. Just to encourage them. Um, you know, so it's not – you can you could do anything. There's just no end to what you can do. I see ministry in everything. That's how I look at the world now. I mean, there's ministry in everything. It's, you know, it's simple. It's your next-door neighbor. What are you doing for them, you know? Um, you know, I remember Del Tackett and I were talking uh, this last fall about um, – how he'd been convicted about praying for his neighbors and he takes a walk and he prays. And there was this one neighbor up in this community. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know who was up there. And he's like, Lord, you know, I just pray for that guy. And, and God said, you know, you've never made an attempt to even get to know them. It's fun. It's easy for you to lay here and pray for him. But, you know, so he said, well, God, find a way for me to meet him. And it wasn't within a few days that all of his wife had planted all these flowers. And all of a sudden the flowers had disappeared. They're all eaten up by something. So she replants him and again, eaten up. So he finally waited up to see what's going on. It was a pig that this neighbor had. And this pig kept getting out and coming and eating all of her flowers. And she replanted them like four times and it was getting really frustrating. So he was getting ready to go up there with a gun and shoot the pig. And he, he goes up there to kind of confront the family. And this is the neighbor he, he was trying to meet? Yeah, this is the neighbor he was trying to meet. And so it's realized it's a single mother with four boys. Her husband had left her. And this turned into this opportunity for him to really minister to them and lead them to the Lord, right? And all because the pig came and ate his flowers. So, um, you know, you just got to be on the alert. You know, what's going on in your neighborhood that you can do simply? What's going on at work that you can maybe think through? And, I, again, I think God, he speaks, you know. It's, it's, it's not too much of a mystery. It just takes time. Trying some new things, as Lloyd Reed would say, to, you know, um, low-cost probes. Don't sell your company, move to Africa. Why don't you try doing this first? Why don't you mentor a kid? Why don't you... Why don't you walk the neighborhood and pray? How much is that going to cost you? You know, we just don't think of ministry in that way, but it is. It's an everyday outflow of naturally who you are. 
And that's why we're so big, like you said earlier, on identity. Once you understand that, it does begin to just naturally come to you. Like, oh, wow, I'm good at that. I'm going to go do that. Go with my hands. I'm going to go you know, offer myself to go wheelchair ramps. You know, I like I that. Know. Thinking of ministry not as just you know the church or you know a big entity, a 501c3, or a building that's serving people. You're ministering to someone. So if you're sowing into somebody's life, you're serving another person you're acting in ministry. So we can start wherever we're at, in our cubicle, in our corner office, in our home, in our neighborhood. So there's just all these opportunities. So, you know, Don, as we wrap up here, what are some final thoughts you'd love to leave with people, you know, after they've been listening to you in this conversation? Well, first of all, uh, let me define what I think ministry is. And mm-hmm. what we say in the 210 Pro, ministry is just giving your life away. Mm. I like that. Anytime you've given your life away, um, that's ministry. That's honoring to God. Um, we just measure things wrong in America. That's our problem. We 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 put it up here. And we measure it. We we have a scale. That's not how Jesus was. Jesus walked among the people. He roamed here. He roamed there. You know, and God gave him opportunity. And he, you know, and, and same thing with the disciples. They didn't have a game plan. You know. They just wandered around, and God did miraculous things through them because they were empowered by them, and they were on the lookout. Um, so why can't we be that way? You know, uh, and, and you are part of God's plan is what I would say to anybody. Think about it. How, why would God leave you out of his plan? He doesn't. Everyone is part of it. And, but it's just much more practical than we anticipate it should be. And so that's if you could just think your life out differently— Download the book. You can download, you know, for those folks that are in foreign countries, you just can't get the mail. You just download it onto your Kindle and do everything there. Um, it's a great tool for small groups. Let us know how we can serve you. Yeah, how you know, can people connected. find you? Where, where are you on the web? How can they find the book and the resources, the small group guides? Yeah, two, two websites, uh, which is, a, so it's alliance-ministries.org um, is our main website. Just talks about what we do as a mission in the 210 Project is just a subset of what we do. You know, our, our, our real mission is to, is to really impact your community by connecting people to ministries. So we serve all the ministries in our community. So that's the bigger vision. But it's done by getting individuals figuring out what they're called to do, right? So the 210 Project then is, is um, 210project210, 210project.com or .org. And uh, that's where you can buy the book. The book's only twenty three ninety five shipping and handling. And that comes with a code to do all those assessments. And right. uh, and we didn't bring this up before, but those assessments have just a tremendous amount of research and thought that went into them. They're oh. some of the most useful guides and, and tools that I've used both as a coach and in business and, and in ministry. So for I, I would thank you just for just that as a resource. It's worth buying the book to just go through that and just see what that is. But then if you want to take what you get from those assessments and then really apply what you've heard from Don talk about is how do you connect that to who you are, some of the the small things or big things that God has put in your heart to do and how to actually execute on some of those and, and just make an impact and find that fulfillment, that joy, that that servant heart. Uh, the the book is a process on how to really do that well. It is. And one, one last thing about it on the back end, John, part of what we just released, um, Steve, is a uh, – is this community side of it. So like LinkedIn or like um, Facebook or whatever, if you get in the 210 Project and you go through it and you complete it, 
um, you'll be in you'll be in the the family, okay, of everyone else who has done it. And then we, you can literally do a search for people that are looking for you that are doing ministry. So if you have an interest in orphan care or foster care in Colorado, let's say, you can literally Google up, put those two words in, and say search, and it'll pull up everyone in the 210 Project that's in Colorado that's involved with orphan care or foster care or whatever. Um, and then you can send them an invite and say, who are you? Could, we, could I meet you? And so it's creating communities around the country and around the world of people, believers. We're connecting them together. We spent a lot of time and money on this to try to create this resource. And, and my partner, Rodney Cox from Phoenix, is the one who gets all the credit. And, um, and he created all of our online stuff. He's a genius. But it's really an amazing tool. You can literally search and find for other people in your community. Like in Birmingham, we've probably had 5,700 people go through this thing. Now they can all find each other. Now, you know, and the que- it all kind of came up. We were in a restaurant, and I was looking across the table. I was with Rodney. And I said, how do we find that guy over there if he's doing the same thing we are, has the same, if God's assigned him the same thing we have? So that's kind of when we came up with the idea of creating this app, and Rodney did it. And so it's really cool. You can literally, since you've done the book, you can go back and find people that are interested in similar things that you are. And you may end up becoming best friends with them and doing a mission with them, who knows, or learn something from them. Like I said at the top, I got my copy in the mail yesterday, and I was up late starting to read this. I assume there are a number of people here along the front range here in Colorado that are a part of that community that Don just described, as well as people in your area. So that just adds to my sense of expectation. If you'd like to get a copy, you can find a link to purchase that book on Kindle or softcover in our show notes at eternalleadership.com slash 051. That's eternalleadership.com slash 051. And as Don said, this is more than a book. It's an interactive process with an online strengths profile, a spiritual gifts inventory, a passions survey, interactive timelines, a workbook for your day of solitude, and a 210 map, aka mission action plan. In total, they value all of that at $79, but you can get it for $25 plus shipping on the physical book or just $25 if you're getting the Kindle version. Of all the books that John and I have featured during these first 51 episodes, this one is definitely in my top five books that I would personally recommend. Get a link to purchase that book, eternalleadership.com slash 051. While you're there, we'll have links to the 210 Project website, Don's Ministry, Alliance Ministries, and a link to Don's 2015 equipping conference in Scottsdale, Arizona at the end of this July. This is a time of renewal and education. It's about equipping you and your team to lead with your strengths and not just in the workplace, but also in your personal relationships and in your marriage. Check it out, eternalleadership.com slash zero five one. And as always, that link is embedded in the summary of this MP3. Special thanks to Justin Jeffrey for his editing and production help on this episode. Next time on Eternal Leadership, Bethel Church CFO and author of Money and the Prosperous Soul, Stephen De Silva. And I had this dream. I was sitting in my office here at my computer. I was actually watching myself. So there was two Steves. I was standing at the door watching Steve at the keyboard. Uh, At the same time as this is happening, Father God is standing beside me by the door. And so I see uh, this busy 
version of myself typing at the computer. The phone rings, I pick up the phone, and then somebody knocks at the door and asks a question. So I, I turn and I, and I answer a question while I'm on the phone and I'm working on the computer. All of this is going on. And I look to Father God and I give him this big smile. Aren't I doing good, Daddy? You know, look how good I'm doing. And Father God leans down and says to me, with a smile on his face, he says, Steve, this is not for me. Stephen talks about his season of near burnout. And as Dave Ramsey says in his endorsement of the book, how prosperity is much more than just the condition of your wallet. It's about the condition of your soul. For John Ramstead. I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.